1: and welcome to episode 116 of the walking dead tv podcast i'm jordan from jersey and i'm joined tonight by a whole bunch of people uh we've got jim Dietz, we've got aaron newworth we've got russell latham and we have not only brad milo but his daughter ashley as well how is everybody doing great
2: doing well here in texas good i didn't hear jim but
0: oh hello i'm sorry (laughs) i was i was busy enjoying some of this delicious terminus barbecue do you guys want some (laughs)
3: <laughs> pass it it's on it's
0: really good man I mean it tastes like I'll, I'll take some dark meat Jim yeah you got it man no problem there's a whole bunch here Can as I long like... as you
1: have some soil, and Green to
0: dip it in, Is, we'll is there more. a wing? oh sure
1: <laughs> so yes we are here to discuss episode 416 of The Walking Dead A and uh, we'll be doing that in just a minute beforehand let's just get a, a round from everybody what did you think of the season finale of season 4?
4: Brad will start and Brad will say that Brad is going to be very bipolar about this in fact you should all refer to me as harvey for the duration of the recording of this episode (laughs) because i'm gonna be very two-faced about this episode
1: huh as a batman reference for the uninitiated so brad you're bipolar about it uh what about your daughter
5: more or less the same
1: fair enough aaron um
2: i actually really like this episode with a couple demerits i would give it but besides that i think it's a, a solid finale
1: are you going to wrap its knuckles and make it stand in the corner? I'm
3: going to hit it with the meter stick, that's for damn sure. <laughs> uh, Russell. I, th- I I honestly thought this was maybe the best episode of the series to date. Wow. It just fired on all cylinders for me, and th- there's just a lot of really cool things that made it work. And And I've said this before, but when a TV episode can keep me at the edge of my seat and literally kind of make me nervous— then that's good TV. So I'll have I'll have a lot more to say, but but in general, very, very, very happy with it.
4: Russell, I, I have never wanted to punch you in the face as hard as I want <laughs> to punch you in the face right now.
3: Wow. <laughs> and just to think, I was going to come to Dallas like in a couple weeks, but not not now.
1: No. You might no, want to avoid my area.
0: You
3: can
1: come out to Southern California. <laughs> it's
3: nice over here. I'll get right on that.
1: And uh, Jimothy, what did you think of the,
2: this episode? Jimothy. Um,
0: um First of all, never call me Jimothy again, or I'll, have to, <laughs> or I'll choke you with your own larynx. Do you understand? <laughs> Fine, james
3: Jamesothy. It's a good thing we're not all in the same room for this episode. Yeah, let no me doubt. tell you, it's
0: a little. Yeah, we all have spring fever. What can I say? Um, I don't know. There are parts of this episode I liked a lot. There were a few things uh, reservations I had about it. Um, I thought overall positive though. It almost feel it almost felt like this should have been the episode before the finale. You know what I mean? It didn't, Amen, brother. It didn't see. it seemed like there should have been like one more episode as the finale. But um, Amen, brother. That's uh that's but I was overall positive on it, so I guess you can smack me in the face too, Brian.
1: No, sir. <laughs> uh I'm kinda with I guess Jim and Aaron the most in that I had a few minor issues with the episode, but in general, I really enjoyed it. As a season finale I think we have some stuff to discuss about that, but uh, as an episode of television, I really enjoyed this one. So, let's get right into the plot, shall we, gentlemen?
2: Let's do it. Please. And
1: lady. Okay, so this episode starts with a flashback, our final flashback of the season. Um, and it's Rick, and he's at the at the prison, and this is before he's become a farmer, but after the season three finale. And uh, he's talking to Herschel. Guess what? Herschel's back. It's very nice to see him. Ponytail, beard, and missing leg and all. And uh, he starts talking to Rick throughout the episode, and let's pretty much talk about all the flashbacks right now, just for uh, consistency's sake. Uh, He eventually, throughout the episode, talks Rick into laying down the gun, stop going out on the, the recon missions and the supply runs, and become a farmer, help your son, help the group this way. You can, uh, we, we already know where Rick goes with this, but this is the impetus of his decision to remove the sheriff's hat and put on the farming hat. Well, so even
0: described. more so than that, Herschel impresses upon him, you know, what do you want to teach Carl? You know, he already knows how to shoot. He already knows how to you know defend himself and, and, and use guns. What do you want to pass on to him? You know, um, Herschel's trying to pass something on to Rick that he could pass on to Carl that would be constructive rather than destructive. And that, you know, with the counterpoint of what goes on in, you know, the present day, quote unquote, in this episode, is really like the, the, the whole juxtaposition that makes the episode work. I mean, for me anyway, you know, the way they kept flashing back to this, you know, they're, they're, they're striving for this peaceful uh, uh, goal of farming and, and, you know, getting the hogs and domesticating them and all this other stuff. Contrasted with the, I mean, the true ferocity of what we see Rick does, you know, doing in this episode.
1: Yeah, there, there's a lot of juxtaposition there, and I thought it was effective effective use of the flashbacks in that we probably had four or five of yep. them, but if you were to add them all up, it was probably only five, six minutes of the show uh, total, and it, like you said, it, it brought that juxtaposition there, and then even later on as we get into it, the juxtaposition of what Rick eventually has to do to those pigs with the blood all over his face uh, to what he does to Joe in the episode with the blood
0: all over his face was a nice uh, visual mirror. And I was so happy to see Scott Wilson again, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bastard fan yeah. of his, so...
2: I I agree with you, Jim, especially since the last time we saw Herschel was when he was, you know, being decapitated by the governor. Right. nice to <laughs> for, if, if we're not going to get a chance to see Herschel again on this show, then it is nice to see him in this kind of warm presence that he brought to it for his final appearance as opposed to this horrible thing that happened to him.
3: It really just made me wish that Herschel didn't have to die after all because Scott Wilson is just so awesome in that role. I mean, he's a good actor in general, but he just brings... I don't know, just a, a whole nother level to that role of Herschel and just the calm and the wisdom and everything else and, you know, like you guys were saying, just the juxtaposition with these scenes for me added a lot to the episode because I think it was important to show this balance. I mean, I know some people were thinking it was kind of a step backward and it was kind of pointless to see the flashbacks, but I think it made the 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 brutality of what Rick had had to do later and just his mood and his mindset at the end of the episode it it just accentuated it that much more by seeing you know these scenes of of them trying to be at peace and to do the right thing and just to kind of change gears it's since we're talking about the flashbacks now might as well just
2: get to the point of what i have to say about that i i agree with everything you guys are saying about the just the the juxtaposition and the what it means to have that balanced with what's going on with rick in this episode and there's no other way to really i guess handle that so it's like it's why i can't really mark the show down for the fact that it has flashbacks it's just me seeing them just repeats information to me that i already know having this episode where we have rick like you know biting joe in the neck and like doing things that reflect on who he is as a person now and what he needs to do like it's hard to Think of a better way to go about that because it's just honestly it's just not my responsibility to do so. So like it's it's great to see like some they chose something and it like it fits into this episode as like a, as a standalone episode. Going with the entire season, it does feel like I'm just being fed the same kind of thing again, which I got had resolved in like the first couple episodes. But it, so it's it's really kind of tricky to balance. It's, tr- it's tricky to kind of rate how effective these flashbacks were because I don't think. They were necessarily all that effective in what they are trying to do from a kind of Rick character arc standpoint, but in terms of just this episode, I did like what they added a lot.
1: Well, here, here's a question for you, Aaron, because I both agree and disagree with you. I think they did bring a new bit of information that at least I don't remember them. Uh, revealing earlier, but I don't think it was necessarily a good piece of information and that is Rick's whole farmer transformation and if you could argue a lot of the bad things that happened because he wasn't ready to stand up for himself are Herschel's fault now, because Herschel talked him into it and kind of, I don't want to say forced him into it, but you know, really guilted him into doing these things that could have you know, could be the reason why a lot of the bad things at the prison happened
4: Alright, my uh, turn I couldn't disagree with pretty much all of you any more than I ever dreamed. The flashbacks, like one of you did say, were telling us information that we've already been given. It was telling us information that that was unnecessary, that we didn't need to know. I don't need to know what changed Rick's mind to become a farmer. I kind of already figured that out, that he made an internal decision to try to make the best of the situation. I didn't need to see that Herschel basically guilted him into it. Now, again, one of you said it was wonderful to see Scott Wilson. It is. Herschel was like the Yoda on the show, and especially in this episode when he's like, uh, Your weapons, you will not need them. You know, I was getting a strong yeah. Yoda vibe. Yeah, me from too. Him. But uh, it was, it, if it wasn't more than five or six minutes, it felt like 21 of the 42 minutes of screen time. On this episode. It was a complete waste of time. It didn't enhance any of the brutality in my opinion. I was flabbergasted and shocked at the scene that we haven't talked about yet. The the real brutal scene with Daryl and and Rick and and Carl. I was amazed at what they got away with on television. I had forgotten that that was lifted pretty much directly from the book. But I didn't need Yoda (laughs) to make that more brutal and more shocking than it was to me. It was Again, information that we've already been told in this show many times before. This zombie apocalypse changes good people. It makes them do things they don't want to do. No matter how hard you try to have a normal life in this world, it's not going to happen. We've been told this time and time again. Was it nice to see Scott? Yes. Was it nice to see Beth? Not really. We expected to see her in a pot or on a grill or something like that. But it was ridiculous and we watched it again a second time. It lowered my rating for the show. I gave it a three and a half on the Facebook page. But after watching it again, it made me want to punch the television. It was utterly a waste of time. Of course, these are, this is all my opinion. It didn't enhance the show at all. It distracted and took away, took me out of the experience. I would have been much more on the edge of my seat for the entire episode than getting a breather every few minutes it it really diminished the impact of the episode as a whole for me i'm done
3: wow i i like i said i just i kind of felt felt the exact opposite i th- i think as far as new information goes i mean it, i mean yeah we all knew what rick did i think this just gives a little more nuance to it in that it's just that sense of duty that he had at the beginning and just you know that he felt he needed to go out and he needed to do what he needed to do and it was really Herschel that told him, you know, it's okay that you know he doesn't have to be that guy. And I guess setting up the, you know, the council kind of helped with that too. Um, but it allowed him to take it to take a step back. And I, I, like I said, I just think the scenes uh, in the present day, Rick reflecting back on that, is what made it, what made him just realize that that either that was a bad choice or that wasn't the the way to go about it. That you know, th- that he has to be a brutal person. And you know, there's a lot of talk in the, I, I saw either on Facebook or just other comments that, you know, we're kind of resetting back again. Like, like we're hitting the reset button again. On un- un- Rick know, for, for the show. Sure. <laughs> well, but the comics do that all the time. I mean, Rick, Rick goes from being in the forefront to the background to the forefront to the background. You know, he's going to be a leader. You no, know, he's not going to be a leader. You know, that that happens, that happens often in the comics. And I don't hear, you know, I, I don't seem to hear as much uh, negativity when it happens in the comics than it does in the show and and maybe part of that is it's 120 something issues into the comic this you know these these tv seasons are really you know two eight episode seasons is really you know what we're getting because you know they all they they all pretty much kind of have an arc that they go through you know so it's not like a standard 22 episode television series start to finish so I, I don't know if that has that has something to do with it but but again to me uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, the the anti Brad uh, this episode, which is good. I mean, I I, I I've said this before. I, I like it when we don't all have the same opinion and we don't all feel the same way, because then it just sounds like we're all just rah-rahing, you know, and not not really giving our opinion um, so I like it when we're all not on the same page
2: I can't speak to the to the comic uh, in terms of kind of how people regard it overall just because you know I do I I talk about this show I write about this show I read the comic but I don't like go into forums or see what other opinions are for the most part but regardless I mean for the show for its own being its own thing again like I for this episode I think the flashback thing works but like I have more of an issue just with Rick's arc in this season in general just because i feel like i've seen it a couple times already and it's just it's not as interesting to me as other characters on this show and it so there's a i have i have more of a fundamental problem with how it's treating rick on this series than i do with it's use of him in this episode overall but i mean that's that's not here or there i mean as far as this this episode goes. Like, the flashbacks, again, they didn't, bu- they didn't like, bug me enough to really make me dislike this episode, because I don't think that's the case at all. And I think Andrew Lincoln does a solid job. And again, yeah, it is nice to see Scott Wilson, but it...
1: And Ferb. Let's not forget Ferb. And Ferb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, like, I get, like, I still echo a lot of the thoughts that Jim said. I do think that it, for what it's trying to do in this, in this particular episode, I think it works on a story point or on a character strengthening point. It feels repetitive to me.
4: Aaron, we've had... We've seen this conversation between Herschel and Rick before, yeah. you know, we just with different dialogue. We've seen that there was an, an episode sometime previous to this where Herschel was like, we can come back from this, Rick. You came back. You know, I distinctly remember Herschel using those words. You came back, Rick. And this was just a rehash of that. And the first time it worked, it was a great character moment. But this, this was just a rehash of
2: something we'd seen before. And and, it, and I just felt cheated out of something new. And that's fair. And I agree that the, I guess the pacing of said flashbacks did impact the show for me on my initial viewing. And going back on it, like it's easier for me to see why they were doing a certain thing. And that goes with basically strengthening what the present day portion of the show had to offer by showing us this other side of what things could have been if things worked out for the best and yay but it didn't happen that way and again it just on as far as a standalone episode of this tv show goes the flashbacks work for me I, with the context of the entire season i have more issue
1: with it so that first flashback the last one we'll talk about ends with a cut immediately to rick leaning against a uh, a van or a truck of some type he's covered in blood uh, it's very silent and he and he is just kind of staring into the distance and then we cut to the opening credits I liked them going back
4: to Rick with virtually no sound whatsoever you could hear some birds faintly in the in the background and then when it shows the wide shot of him leaning against the truck you can see him kind of moving his fingers and if you listen closely, to me, what it sounded like was like maybe his fingers were sticking together because of all the dried blood that was coating his hand. There were some weird kind of noises, like some rustling, and, and then it sounded like a, you know, a, an adhesive or something. Something sticky is all I'm saying. But the way they chose to utilize the audio in this portion I thought was really effective.
1: It's a good cold open. So after the opening credits, we then catch back up uh, previous to the blood-covered moment uh, with Rick, Carl, and Michonne um, as they're trekking through the woods. They're talking about how hungry they are. They go around and they check a snare trap in the woods and find a small rabbit. And Rick explains to Carl how traps work and how you can uh, trap an animal by seeing what path it's going to take and, and controlling that type of thing. And, and bef- as they're walking to the trap in the first place, they're discussing you know when we get to Terminus they're going to ask us, who are you? What do we What do we tell them? Like, we've been through so much, we've done so many things, how much do we tell them, how much do we not tell them, etc. And it's a short conversation, but I thought fairly effective at getting the themes of the episode across, mostly, uh, not completely subtly, but uh, subtly enough for this show that it didn't bother me.
2: I would have entertained that conversation to last longer rather than this, like, really idiot guy not knowing how to run out of a half a circle of zombies, but whatever. Uh,
1: Yes. After they find the rabbit, they hear screaming off in the woods. They run off to find uh, a bespectacled man being surrounded mostly by zombies. Carl wants to go help him, but Rick says it's too late. The guy's already dead. And we see him uh, taken down by the walkers. And and killed, and this is a slight uh, reference to the comics. There is a similar scene that happens way earlier in the run, uh, where a, a man who looks very similar and is taken out in the same way dies. You can you can see the comparison screenshots on Reddit and such. This is the,
4: in my opinion, is the first of three instances in this episode in which the comic does not translate as well as we would like it to to the small screen. Please explain. Well, like the guy. Clearly, when we saw him uh, surrounded by a semicircle of zombies, he wasn't even completely surrounded. He literally could have run towards where Rick and Michelle and Carl were and gotten away. He literally could have just run away. But looking at that in the comic, no, nothing's moving. It's, it's static. You don't see the whole uh, environment that he's in. It's dark. So it works in a still medium, but he could have just run right away. When the, the first time I saw it, I was watching him. I was going, "Why is he just standing?" I don't know. He looked like he was Why pretty he surrounded
0: run- to me. I mean, he had him on all sides. Uh, no, the side <laughs> facing the
1: camera was pretty wide open. Although I would ask the question, "How long has he already been running before we find him?"
0: Yeah, but if you're fighting
4: for your life and you see, uh, you know, okay, let's say he was three fourths of the way surrounded. There was plenty of room for him to run away, and he was just standing there and. I just think sometimes things don't translate well, and I think that since that instance was one of them,
2: it's the kind of scene for me that's short enough where it's not like a hugely impactful thing, or else it's just me nitpicking everything about this show. But at the same time, (laughs) dude could have run away. It's not like it's day one of zombie attacks. Like there's zombies around the area. We can. There's a hole here. It's time to time to move. Time to keep not yelling out suddenly. I need help. Where'd this guy come
1: from? By the way. (laughs) He was running away from Terminus. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was brunch. Uh, so they, uh, after the man is killed, they grab their gear uh, and uh, they head towards the train tracks towards Terminus. That night, Rick and Michonne are sitting around a campfire while Carl is sleeping in a nearby car that they found, um, and they're discussing Terminus and what the plan is, what they think they're going to find there, etc. They hear a noise out in the woods, and they pause for a moment, but the noise stops so they go back to talking, and that's when guns appear out of the darkness right by the sides of their heads. It's Joe and the Claimers, as I've seen them called uh, throughout the internet, so I guess that's the name we're going with.
2: Are they pros? Are they pros? The Proclaimers.
1: Oh. Are yeah. they pros? Proclaimers? Well, they did walk 1,000 miles, approximately. They're, they're over and done with, that's yeah. for sure. 500, 500, 500 miles. Yes, miles. It. Well, they could walk 500 more. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> nice. total 1,000 miles. A side note in this particular moment is we learn, or at least we're told, this could not be true, but that this scene is happening on New Year's Eve. Now, that could just be Joe uh, having some fun with language and, and, and being kind of a, hey, it's my birthday type deal, but it seems specific enough and cold enough outside that I'm willing to buy that this is actually New Year's Eve. So are we thinking this would be 2009, 2010, 2010, 2011?
0: I thought he was just speaking in a metaphorical sense in which, you know, like, hey, it's a party. We're going to kill this guy. You know, I didn't think it was actually New Year's Eve.
2: The way he, he said says, it.
0: Well, the way he said it is like, I thought I was going to turn in on New Year's Eve. I, I, it seemed like, you know, he was about to go to bed. But now it's a, you know now it's a party because they're going to you know, beat the hell out of these guys. And
2: I was going to say the way the way he said it could go both ways. But I feel like Joe doesn't care about time enough to really be that specific.
1: <laughs> he claimed the calendar.
0: I was going to say, no reclaimed calendars. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Joe explains uh, more or less what ha- what happened, how they tracked them, etc. And uh, Carl is inside the car, but he's uh, trapped by a, a heavy set, balding-bearded gentleman who's very creepy-looking for uh, reasons that will become very apparent later. Yeah. And at that point, Daryl comes out of the darkness and says, Hey, 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 I, I see what's going on here. You want blood? I understand. You want revenge? Take me, man. These are good people leave him alone, and so Joe proceeds to have his men kick the crap out of Daryl.
2: Yeah, he says, teach him, teach him the whole way.
1: (laughs) Yes, Uh, which apparently the whole way is murder. I'm not sure what you're supposed to learn from that, um, but uh, it's apparently effective in his group.
3: Again, a great scene for for Daryl, which when we get to something that happens later, I think that just kind of accentuates uh, his feelings for the group, and then later, you know, what Rick specifically, you know, how he feels about Daryl you know, as a person, as a member of the group, and everything else. But that was just a really, I think maybe there's been a little criticism of Daryl being a little soft this season. I, I It's not a criticism I really share, but it was appropriate. I mean, I think Daryl just feels like, you know, he, he has a lot of um, low self-esteem, let's put it that way. And I don't think he values his life as much as he values the life of, especially Carl, I think, and in, in Michonne. And even, Rick, I, you know, I think he, he feels like he owes Rick a lot and, 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 and has a, a kinship towards Rick. But for for him to be willing to sacrifice himself for them to let him go, you know, I just thought that was a really, really cool gesture. Unfortunately, it didn't it didn't pan out. But, uh, but again, just, you know, really kind of a touching scene.
0: Well, it kind of ties up with that scene that we see after all this when him and uh, Rick are talking. For sure. And, you know, Rick tells him that yeah, he's his brother, you know, that kind of brings it all full circle. I I agree with everything that Russ just had to say.
1: So Carl gets hauled out of the truck, and uh, Joe makes it very clear that they're going to, uh, to put this delicately, have their way with Michonne, then have their way with Carl, and then when that's all finished, they're going to kill Rick. Uh, Rick headbutts backwards into Joe and Joe's gun gets knocked away, but it also goes off right next to Rick's head. So we get some nice sound work of Rick being mostly deafened as the fight starts. Uh, But Joe has the upper hand and he gets Rick in a bear hug, so to speak, and says, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? And Rick takes a bite right out of Joe's jugular. Michonne then uh, kills the guy who was covering her. Uh, Daryl takes out the two guys who were covering him. And then they all kind of are surrounding the guy who's on top of Carl. And Rick uh, takes the initiative and says, he's mine. And I guess the best way to put this would be, he guts the man. Repeatedly with a knife, stabbing him over and over until uh, the man is no more.
0: There were probably a good half dozen more stabs there than there needed to be. You know what I mean? It's just like he... He gutted him like a fish from his uh, belly button all the way up. It seemed like, and then it just you know they they turned to Carl's face and you just hear stab stab stab. I'm like okay that's enough. No, they you know they they kept going on and on.
4: This was lifted almost directly out of the the comic. Yes, uh, except in the in the comic, Michonne was not with Carl and Rick. It was uh, Abraham. Abraham. and Daryl, and, of course, is not in the comic, so that was yeah, the other big course, difference. Yes, uh, they uh, Abra- they had been abraham had been with the group for a while and the three of them were out on a supply run of course you know changes have to be made for the television version of it but uh it was pretty accurate i liked it a lot it, it was brutal gosh it was brutal and it, it the brutality of it bothered me but i really enjoy seeing scenes from the comic being translated and for the most part it worked really well i thought again with the comic things are static you you kind of get a a, scene, a a sense of claustrophobia in the comic. But on the TV version, they, okay, Rick headbutts Joe. Time's kind of slows down. And it seemed like either Joe or the guy holding a gun on Michonne would have recovered quickly enough to say, screw this, this is ridiculous, just kill him and get it over with. And yet our heroes get out of the situation again. I would have believed it. I did believe it to be more perilous when I read it in the comic than when I saw it on the show. I still enjoyed what I was seeing because it was it was pretty much well done, but it it seemed a little it seemed a little lucky. There was a little bit of Indiana Jones going on with that scene.
1: I, I kind of agree with you, Brad. I had that feel of, you know, the hero in the center of 50 assailants and they come at him one by one type of deal where everybody just kind of yes. pauses and watch Rick watches Rick and, and Joe go at it. Now, to a certain extent, I can buy that these guys... Joe obviously feels he has the upper hand and he makes that pretty much clear throughout the, the fight. And I can buy that his guys believe that, but the switch in momentum is very abrupt from... We're all going to die and worse to, oh, everybody's dead except for us.
3: Right. It felt to me like that scene went on for like 15 minutes. And I know it was probably only like four and a half or something like that. But it just, the tension to me, and I totally forgot about the scene from the comic. I mean, I haven't, I haven't even read that since the first time I, I went through it. So I, it was totally out of my, out of my head at the time. And I was just focused on what I was seeing on screen. But I started thinking about it a little more and Joe, I don't think the the people in the group. I think they just recognize Joe as the one that's kind of laid down the rules and and will enforce the rules. But I don't think that there's a, a crazy intense loyalty to him that these guys have. I think they it's kind of one of those everybody kind of does the right thing because it once once there's a little bit of chaos, then they all kind of have this you know because of the rules and because of of the of the law laid down by Joe. They know as soon as somebody breaks it that the rest of them will all kind of, you know, gather behind that and then and then act upon it. In this instance, you know, the fact that I, I would think maybe they'd be cheering even a little bit if Rick kind of got one over on Joe, you know, to to some degree. Also, when when Rick bites his neck like that and and you know the blood is just is just spurting like it was and it was so um, so sudden, I could see where. You know the the guy that has the gun on Michonne and and you know the guy's beating up on uh on Daryl would give pause for a moment because it's it's just something that is so abrupt and so shocking and just like am I really seeing this even that you you know your your brain would forget what you were doing like the you know the guy covering Michonne I could easily see if I was in that situation that I would totally forget you know what was going on and you know. Michonne, I think, and and Daryl are smart enough that all they were just looking for that that one little that one little gap that one little moment where they could just move quick and act. They they pounced on that and then got the upper hand. I mean, I totally agree. It is a little contrived. You know, maybe one of them would have pulled the trigger a little quicker than they did. But but again, I think the shock value of it is what sells it for me. Um, as, you know, as a, as a TV show, of course, to, to put that behind me.
1: I was certainly on the edge of my
3: seat for the entire scene. I mean, it was
1: thrilling. Yeah. My my problems with it mostly come in retrospect and from the second viewing. But, man, it was one of those, you know, there was a couple of those moments in, in the last eight episodes of Breaking Bad where we talked about on uh, Los Podcast Hermanos where you know, you had to remind yourself to breathe like five minutes after the scene was done. This was approaching that level. And not entirely surprising, we didn't mention it, but this episode was directed by Michelle McLaren, who is yeah. uh, well-known and lauded for yeah. her action episodes of Breaking Bad, which were just phenomenal.
0: I was just thinking it was more like that um, that wolf pack mentality, you know, when the alpha male goes down or is threatened, the rest of the pack just kind of doesn't know what to do.
2: I agree exactly, yeah, Jim. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly.
0: That's, that's how I kind of saw it. I mean, I, I, granted, it was a little... Like Brad said, Indiana Jonesy. I guess they're a little disjointed, but I just kind of—that's how I took it. Like they saw their alpha male go down, and then they had no rudder. You know, I think it's
2: a mix. I think it's that, and a kind of a concurrent timeline thing that we're just not. Like if you put this episode, if you put this scene in like split screens, maybe we could see the exact timing of when people did what. But for the sake of a TV show that you know has a singular way of portraying action sequences. I didn't have any real issue with it. I was tense, and it got the desired effect out of me. And in an episode with
0: a whole colony of what might be cannibals in Terminus, um, this this guy who wanted a little piece of Carl was definitely the creepiest thing. in Oh, episode. my God,
2: yeah. Like, what? Like, that's, like, like the, the way Joe phrases, like, all right, like, I'm not really, like, I was fine with you before, but you really throw me off your scent now. <laughs> like, my God, this is the plan for vengeance? <laughs>
4: I think another reason that this scene worked for me a little better in the comics is two, two reasons. Uh, one, in the comics they had knives, so the threat wasn't as immediate.
1: Yeah, they were more like tweakers kind of, weren't they, in the comics? Yeah,
4: I'm pretty sure they didn't have guns. They had knives, and you know, if you, if you time it right and, and play it right, you can get out of a knife fight much easier than you can a gunfight. Another thing is that when you're reading a comic, the scene you're reading can happen as slow as you want it to in your head or as fast as you want it to in your head. With When you're watching a TV show, you get real time and that's it. Now, it could be edited to kind of reflect a slower pace or a faster pace. But in a comic, it's the way that you want to see it. It's the way your mind interprets it the best to where it makes sense to you and why things work. And in the show, like I said, you have to deal with what you're given. So I think perhaps if it was edited a little quicker, maybe, I might have not felt like they were as lucky as they were but uh that's just another little observation
1: no i think i agree so afterwards we see rick sitting against the truck just like we saw at the end of the cold open uh and he is just covered in blood he he looks like he used just for men beard dye the blood edition on him it is just caked with blood and uh, daryl comes over and talks to him uh, tells him what happened after he left the prison, how he was with Beth, but then now she's gone, which is pretty much all he says about that. Um, and he says, you know, you, you did what you had to do, anybody would have done the same thing. And and Rick says he doesn't know if that's necessarily true, but by the end of the scene, like Jim said, he calls Daryl his brother. And it doesn't matter that Daryl was with those guys for a while because Daryl came back and Daryl was never evil. He was just doing what he had to do to survive.
4: I have a, a bit of a confession to make here. This was my favorite bit of dialogue in the whole movie, the whole episode. And you know that thing that especially girls do, and I'm talking, to, I'm talking to Ashley at the same time, because I've seen, I've heard her do it, I've witnessed it. Where something sweet or whatever will happen, and they'll go, "Oh, you know, like, oh, that touches me, you know, deep down emotionally. Oh, that's so sweet. I don't, I don't You've do done it. Cooing. I've heard you do yeah. it. Cooing, do I got gotta do it. Do no, I've, I heard you do it just a couple of days ago, sweetie. It's okay though. It's fine. It's a real thing. <laughs> Move but on. But no, listen. No, listen. I actually did that out loud the first time I was watching it uh, late Sunday night when I got home from work. I actually caught myself saying out loud when he says, you're my brother. I went, oh. And I went, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe I just said that out loud. But that's an honest truth. I'm not just saying it to be funny. That actually happened. That's how much I really liked that little bit of connection that they
2: had. We did it with a little more um – a little more humor intended on it because it was is myself one of my guy friends and one of one of my girlfriends. We
3: watched the show together and we all just went
2: ah at the same time because <laughs> <laughs> it was like oh that's really nice but at the same oh, that's a cool that's a cool moment.
3: I I think it's an important moment for the show itself because it is. Yeah. Rick. I mean Rick doesn't really have. I mean he I think he treated Herschel as as kind of a father figure. Him and um uh, uh, Him and yeah. Blah. Him and Shane had, you know, too much tension going on. I I don't feel like anybody else. He really kind of, you know, Glenn. I don't see Rick seeing as maybe like a brother, um, not not a son figure either, but just maybe not that closeness to it. Cousin. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he
2: called Shane a brother on the show a few times, or it, ye, it was yeah. The, the te- he used the term before, but I know I get I get what you're right. going for. Yeah,
3: right, but but. I mean this is somebody at this point you know four four seasons in where they've been through so much and and you know Rick I I think I think he needed that I think I think he needs somebody that he can rely on like a brother you know somebody that he doesn't have to feel like he's either teaching something to or learning fr- something from or you know setting an example or whatever it's somebody that he can just you know that that'll understand where he's coming from he can understand where where Daryl's coming from, and and they could just kind of have this bond that he he's I don't think he's capable of having with anybody else in the group. Now, um, you know we we see that Eugene's come in, and and maybe that'll evolve. Maybe even Tyrese, things might have, might evolve a little bit. But at at this moment in time, I think it's important for Rick to have that. You know, relationship with somebody else in the group. It's nice that he's acknowledging it. That's
2: another thing too. Like it's, yes. it's more of he's so closed off just because he's dealing with Rick stuff all the time. It's nice that you know he's in a moment where he's obviously in a state based on things that happened, and Daryl's vulnerable just because of his what he's you know kind of admitting about what happened in this scenario and whatnot. And so they have this, they share, yeah, they do share this bond and they share this moment where they're able to acknowledge the kind of relationship they have and the fact that they've been through. A lot in the uh, the course of, however what, two years or however many, t- however long they've been together. Well, not just Rick stuff, but also Rick
0: things.
1: Fangs, <laughs> yeah. Jim. How many times do I have to say this? Sorry, sorry.
2: There were there were two things about the Daryl thing that, that Daryl's kind of monologue that kind of... One was, like, bothersome and the other was kind of neat because he, he acknowledges that... Um, the code that Joe had was really stupid. It was nice to hear someone say out loud how stupid the claim thing is on the show and not just us from a distance. Uh, But then he goes to the Beth thing where he just says, she's gone. It's like, I I feel like we could have spent a little more time being a little more specific besides just gone.
4: If I was Rick, I probably would have said, what do you mean gone?
2: Gone, yeah. (laughs) Did she leave? Did somebody take her? I would have inquired a little
4: bit. But then again, I, I would have just butchered a man in half, so maybe I wasn't that concerned with it. Oh, there was something else that Daryl said that some of his dialogue that kind of bothered me. He was saying what you did last night, anybody would have done. And then Rick says, "No, not not last, not not that. Nobody, you know, not anybody would have done that." And then Daryl turns around and says, "Yeah, that wasn't you. You know, like
1: that's not normal for you." But then again, five seconds earlier he he would have said anybody would have done that. Well, but anyone would have done that in that situation, it doesn't make them a monster, as I think the more the message of that than anything else. You do what you have to do to survive, but it doesn't mean you are an evil person because you did that. It's just you're human. You're a father in this case. Not that I think Daryl would quite have that to, the, the nuance to completely put that together, but I think that was what his intent was.
2: It links in more of how the structure of the show reflects the kind of the flashbacks and the present day and Daryl just adding on to it is more It's more screenplay of this episode than it is how literal I can take Daryl's statements and how conscious he is of what he's saying to, to Rick and how that applies to the general theme of this episode.
1: And we should mention before we move on that inside the vehicle are Michonne and Carl, and they're both listening in on the conversation, which will come up later. So later on, they are continuing on towards Terminus. And uh, they find it, and they decide we're not going to go straight in, we're not going into the front door, we're going to do some recon for a day or so. Uh, Rick buries a bag with pretty much all of their extra weapons and, and, and supplies, their stuff and things. And uh, they, they do the recon, and this is where we come back to that, uh, that scene of Carl and Michonne listening in. Uh, Carl and Michonne make one team, and Rick and Daryl make another. And uh, Carl and, is, and Michonne are talking about what happened the previous night and how and Michonne is kind of going into the same thing. You know, your dad was doing this to protect you. He's not a monster. He's come to terms with the, who he is. And Carl says that he's not really worried so much about that as he's worried about what he himself is capable of. He's worried that Herschel was right in some respects and that he himself is a monster, which, as they pointed out on Talking Dead later, the, the sheer fact that he can recognize this probably means he's just fine.
2: I agree, and I also think this is one of the better scripted portions of this episode
1: oh we um, also get the the, uh, the, the final answer of what happened to Michonne, michonne's son andre uh yep. it turns out her boyfriend and their friend got high uh, at the place they were at and uh they weren't able to protect themselves against zombies and so she turned them into her walkers
2: that's a nice bit of we're being told something that we've maybe determined on our own accord not all that specific but like had a general idea of what was going on but I think Denai Guerrero's performance really sells what she's trying to get out on for, for her character as well as kind of impart to Carl and how their relationship has played out over the course of the season like it all just works for me
0: like I really enjoyed yeah, this that monologue was great I, mean, yeah. I just really really appreciated that and the whole explanation of you know how, how at first she did it in kind of revenge you know to, to keep them around to remind her and then that, they end up being like her protectors and camouflage and stuff I just uh, she really sold that whole monologue to me. I just thought that was great,
1: and it was nice to know what they had done because it had been alluded that they had done something, yeah. uh, but it was never really clear. And I thought, as explanations go, this one was pretty decent. It wasn't too crazy, and it wasn't too minor to to warrant it. It was a realistic and understandable thing for them to do and for her to get upset about. I wouldn't
2: say it raises my opinions on her from season three in terms of how they're writing her character, but it almost retroactively makes her better explaining that she was because of these things and because of the way she was just blending in with the rest of the walkers using these two people, like she was closed off, and that's why she was so standoffish and non-talking and things like that.
3: Yeah, it makes it seem like there was a A point to it and that it just wasn't either bad writing or that they didn't know what to do with her character or something like that but I'm just so thankful that they're giving her so much they're expanding her character like we've all been wanting them to do that we know that Denai Gurira is a, a better actress than that we've seen her in interviews we've you know seen her you know speak before and and just the fact that they're letting some personality come through that they're letting some emotion come through and that it's just not she's not the the figure in the corner that scowls and swings a sword uh, all the time that that we're getting some real character development and some real character moments out of her and i think that that that's going to add a lot to the show. And I, I think that, um, again, fans of the comic, uh, I, th- I think it's good for them to finally start seeing that.
1: Well, and this season in general, I, mean, I think we've touched on it a few times previously, but I really feel it's now that we've seen the whole season was, and I say this lovingly, a lot of damage control. And I think, for the most part, well done, Damage Control. Either here's things from previous seasons that people didn't like, how Michonne acted, uh, how Carl was petulant, etc., and so forth. And either we're going to retroactively explain why that was, Michonne in this case, or we're going to put it to bed once and for all um, with Carl in the the pudding episode. You know, And I think, for the most part, those things worked, but it seemed to be... Uh, them very cognizant of those problems and trying to fix them. And for the most part, like I said, I think it was successful.
2: See, that's something I agree with you on, Jordan, in terms of what they're trying to do. It does feel like we're four seasons in, and yet most of these characters are ill-defined, and that's what this season was trying to work towards, It was trying to make it better overall for the future. So I can only hope that the future proves, you know, more... Successful because of the work that we've done in this season, which was ambitious and was creative in terms of making the show, you know, stand out as something different than just a repeat of the seasons we already already seen. You know, four years in. But at the same time, I still found issues occasionally, but that didn't hold me back from recognizing the work being done to say, hey, there are characters on the show we should try to explore them for a bit. <laughs>
1: So after they've had these conversations, they've buried their weapons and extra gear in the woods, etc. They hop the fence, and they go in the back door of Terminus. And they find themselves in a big, uh, I guess warehouse would be the best way to put it, uh, where they have not necessarily printing presses, but assembly lines for putting up the uh, the Terminus signs, the maps, etc. Uh, there's an old woman reading a script into the microphone, with the same thing we heard over the radio uh, 10, 12 episodes ago now. Uh, then you know those who arrive survive that whole thing, and everyone quickly notices them, uh, and we're introduced to Gareth. So Gareth is well; he's the Russ of the group. He's the baby-faced one. Um, <laughs> he's very sinister. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um He is, and we know um, from some news, let's jump the gun on now, he's going to be a season regular next season, so expect to see a lot more of him. But he comes across like a nice guy, except for the fact that you know you're watching The Walking Dead, so that can't be the entire story. And uh, he welcomes them to Terminus. Uh, He explains it's not how they normally do things, like to bring people in through the front, uh, the welcome wagon, all that. Um, He asks them to drop their weapons, and they do. Uh, they are inspected and patted down, and then the weapons are handed back to them, where they are brought out front to uh, meet Tashiar, and are offered some barbecue.
2: Mmm, barbecue. When they, when they, when Gareth first interacts with them after saying like this isn't how we normally do it, the words he says are almost exactly the same as what Mary said to the guy to um, Glenn and Company last week's episode. I, just, I noticed that kind of. The
1: so they, they've got watching. a group script then
2: yeah it seems that way <laughs>
1: they're very polished at this they've done it many times before a little please. cultish very and by creepy. the way
4: just in case uh people up north are wondering we do in fact down south uh use the term fix you a plate or fix a plate meaning get them something to eat
1: i, I think we use that term up north too i, I, I don't, I don't a, think I, it's a I, i've heard thing. this expression
4: <laughs> okay i just saw some talk on the on the Facebook page about wondering what that meant. Like somebody said, did that, were their
0: plates broken? <laughs>
3: Probably Canadians. <laughs> they're, they're, they're fixing to fix them a plate, Brad. Right. With, with all the fixins.
0: with all the fixins.
3: Yeah. So they
1: are, like we said, offered the food and then Rick goes full Sherlock and he starts to notice things around that aren't right. We'd already had, um, and I thought this was actually pretty well and subtly done in the flashbacks mentioned, um, Herschel's watch that he had given, given to Glenn, and he doesn't know what time it is anymore. And Rick sees the chain of a pocket watch in someone's pants. Uh, he sees another person wearing riot gear. Uh, he sees another person wearing Daryl's old poncho. There's and the, um, is there there's thing? a fourth thing.
2: There's the backpack from the episode. They found the episode in the episode clear. There's the backpack from the – it's like a very orange back. It really sticks oh, out. Oh, I
1: mm-hmm. didn't even realize that that was the one that was. That okay. Was,
2: they show it in kind of – because they showed that first because that's the most like, hard thing, thing to spot. It was the weirdest thing to spot, to pick out of, like, things to be suspicious about. Then they show, like, the riot gear and the poncho, thing, and then the then the watch thing comes up.
4: Wasn't Bob carrying that backpack for a while? I don't know but, why I associated that
2: backpack with Bob. Maybe. It maybe wasn't because Bob. he had
0: that backpack in that one episode where he tried to get all the booze, and uh, they couldn't get away, I remember. It wasn't a big orange backpack, but... but.
2: I
4: don't know, but obviously one of our people you know, had that because they pointed it out to us by showing it to us. And for some reason, I was thinking it was Bob.
3: I love that scene. Just they did a really good job on the editing side. I think the music they started, you kind of they started building a little tension with the music and just Rick, you could tell the wheels are completely turning. He hasn't let his guard down a bit, kind of like in Nebraska, you know, where he's you know, he just knows something's off. But the way they they edited that episode and the way it was cut. I just thought it was fantastic because again, we're getting Rick the cop, right? You know, Rick the you know, looking for evidence basically and, and when he, you know, sees the you know, the pocket with the chain and the riot gear and stuff like that, he knows, you know, okay, something's up here, they're not being honest. And then he gives them you know, when he gives them the opportunity to tell the truth and they don't and he knows he don't they don't, then it it all hits the fan. But I just thought I just thought that, that sequence was just very, very well directed, well edited um and well scored well i i well agree with you yeah it um i think uh, bear mccreary's work
2: in this episode in general i think is actually pretty phenomenal as far as this series goes. oh yeah um yeah one thing about the watch because i wrote this down in my notes i liked herschel's line He's because he talked about not having his watch anymore he says it's always right now to me it just seems like a very herschel line to say
3: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so Rick grabs one of the what has been called pretty much everywhere online now the termites. Uh, the people from Terminus. I love that nickname. One of I the the think termites. that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> works termites. really well. Uh, the guy he grabs is named Alex. Alex is one of the guys who had done the pat down earlier on in the episode. Uh, puts a gun to his head and starts interrogating. Basically, where did you get the watch? Uh, where does the Riker come from? etc. There's a sniper on the roof. Hey, remember I mentioned that last week, that they probably had snipers? Turned out I was right. Anyway, so he says, you know, how good is that sniper shot? Do you really think he's going to be able to save you? You need to answer my questions right now, at which point Gareth comes out and starts to give Fairly plausible explanations for where all this stuff came from.
0: Meh. Riot gear moment, and a
1: poncho. <laughs>
3: from his perspective, it's plausible. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. Yeah, bad, you know. yeah because store, he doesn't yeah. know they're connected, so yeah, I can agree with he that. He
4: kind of came across as a little bit of a douchebag while he was doing so, though.
2: Well, I mean, like, if you're holding yeah. a guy hostage, you, yeah. you, you kind of don't have much patience to <laughs> And when <boy>, it says... Just- <laughs>
0: And when he says how good are those snipers we find out very soon not very good they're, i think they were trained by imperial stormtroopers
1: uh, i think those snipers were doing exactly what they're supposed
3: to be doing exactly what they needed to do that was, that was planned yeah. completely
1: also fastest sniper rifle ever but that's uh, a thing for later so eventually rick loses patience he shoots alex in the head which i did not catch the first time actually no,
2: no 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 Ma- mary shoots alex in the head
1: are you sure about that
2: I'm, I'm, I'm mostly shot. I've watched it a few times, and it, it, every time I just think it's a badly shot scene. Because in
1: the In yet. Memoriam, it was in the In Memoriam on Talking Dead where I really noticed it because they play it in slow motion. But I'm pretty sure it was Rick's gun and the bullet spray going away from Rick instead of towards him. From wh- or I not mean, bullet spray, blood blood spray.
2: From, from what I can see, it just looked like Mary took a shot, missed, hit Alex, and maybe Rick's gun went off or something. But like then he just kind of dropped him, and they all started running. But. It's-
1: yeah, well, like, like you said, it was whatever chaotic, happens, Alex sure. is dead. Yeah. Alex is gone, so you don't have to worry. about I love him
3: that we're analyzing this like the Zapruder film. <laughs> it was awesome. It was a
1: chaotic scene, and it's
0: back it's, and yeah. to the left.
2: Back, back, back into the and to the left. The fit hit the Shan. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> so, like uh, like Aaron said, Aaron, uh, Alex is dead. Everybody goes running. Um, and the snipers and people with AK forty sevens on the roof, etc., are just firing at them, but not hitting them, not even coming close. But they are certainly funneling them in a certain direction, and they make their way through a number of buildings. Um, they make their way past a cage that has what appears to be a human skeleton, pretty much completely stripped clean, surrounded by giblets and offal and stuff like that.
2: A bunch of skeletons.
1: Yeah, there was only one I could see for clearly, but yeah, yeah there was probably yeah.
4: I don't know if you just said it because I was looking at something Ashley brought up on her phone, and I'll go back to that in a second. But did you did you make mention that Rick deliberately looked at that? He noticed that big pile of bones as they were running by? I did yes. not notice Rick's yeah. reaction
2: now. Yes, he, he, yeah. he noticed it, and the camera did have a good enough yeah. shot to show, there's bones here. <laughs>
4: yeah, he, he definitely lo- was looking and, and as he was running by. He definitely saw all of that. Um, the thing that Ashley just distracted me with was she looked up, what did you search for? Ashley, just now.
5: Mary shoots Alex walking dead.
4: Yeah, and it several returns uh, came up in saying something that Mary accidentally
1: took out
5: Alex. She's aiming for Rick and shoots Alex in the face.
1: Okay, it's very possible. Yeah, more than one return said that. So they make their way past that cage with uh, with the skeletons, like we already said. Uh, they make their way into a room that is filled with candles and uh, graffiti is not the right word, but painted words on the wall. Uh, Trust no one. We come first. It was a lot of strange halted phrases, and then the names of people in a circle on the f- you know written on the floor with numbers like next to each name. Yeah, it was kind of spiraling out, but the numbers did not match the spiral, which I thought was interesting. If it wasn't for the fact that we think we know where this is going um, with these people, I would, I would almost say it looked like people who had been on a sports team and their sports number next to it. Maybe, maybe it was ages. Yeah. Oh, could be. Although I don't I didn't think notice I saw numbers. any repeated numbers. I yeah, it was, it was hard numbers. to see some of them, Brad. I, I paused it and like zoomed in and was looking at it really close. Only a couple of the numbers were easily visible. Most of them were kind of in shadow. Maybe that was Jacob's list of candidates for the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, 4
2: mm-hmm. eight 15 16
1: 23 42 108
2: this whole um this whole you know funneling section everything they were running through it reminded me of the uh the Walking Dead run the uh like the, uh, the I thought the same thing,
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like I feel like I did this
2: before there was less guns but yeah I was like, was like, like is this 100. a
1: commercial
4: <laughs> I kind of want to re-edit that scene uh strip out all the audio and put in the Benny Hill music
2: yeah <laughs>
3: Or Highway to the Danger Zone. This was, I guess if there's only, if there's a, a ding I would give this episode, It it's this. And, and not the fact that they, you know, the, the guards were missing, because it was clear that they're funneling them. It's just that they weren't smart enough to figure that out. I like, thought the same if Rick, thing. Well, if Rick is smart enough to kind of see all the evidence and put two and two together and realize that I there's they... something odd going on. I think they did, Russ.
5: What choice did they have?
3: Yeah, that exactly. Uh, like, what's the other I, I option? I think there were a few places they could have they could have found cover. Well, um, they they were still after them. There were still people on the ground
4: chasing them, and right. And it, you know, when they went in that candle room, Michonne's like, "I don't think they're trying to kill us." And Rick says, "Yeah, they're shooting at our feet." They figured it out. They they know they weren't trying to kill them, but they still yeah. had to move. They had to, they were trapped yeah. in that room. If they didn't get out of that room, like Ashley said, they had no choice. They had to move.
3: Yeah yeah I I yeah I guess so.
2: I mean for like for like in this episode the most of all of us I mean I feel like this this scene's just so effective for me I don't know it's uh,
3: Oh no like, absolutely I mean it it totally works I mean like I said it just it, it, that's it's just kind of like a tick that I had in kind of the back of my brain it didn't it didn't make me go oh well, you know Forget it, I'm I'm out. You know, kind of thing. It's, but it was it's just the, something that just kind of stuck. It's the kind of thing that comes with like we're watching it from the
2: outside. Like I don't know what I'd do in this kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I can only, uh,
3: I can only
4: assume Jim was was being silly, making a joke earlier um, when he said something about they were lousy shots. But there was a, you know, one of our uh, listeners on the on the um, Facebook page said as much. You know, I can't believe how bad those snipers were, and I was like, hey, they're They weren't trying to kill them, they were hurting them. And she came back and was
1: like, Oh, yeah, of course, that makes complete sense. So, there's also somewhere in this funneling trap uh, sequence a deleted scene that uh, screenshots have emerged uh, of online of them going through a room where there are zombies chained up, kind of Michonne style, with you know, like shackles around their neck and then a long chain chained to the floor. I don't know exactly where that fits in or why it was cut, but it was an interesting shot. It uh, sounds like, like a
2: great, that. like, Halloween maze that we that we got to watch.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like the zombie run, the, the Walking Dead zombie runs.
3: <laughs> now, is it is it right after the scene? I can't remember if it was right before or right after, and I, I haven't watched it twice, but it, I guess it's right before the, the candle room or right after. Don't they, when they run past, they? we don't see anybody, but don't you hear voices saying, help us, help yeah, us? Yeah, we do. We yes, I caught that the second by, time through.
2: They pass by the containers, and there's a lot of voices being heard in that area. Right. Yeah.
3: So I know there was some speculation that maybe that's where Beth is, that you know she's stuck in, in one of those. We can get to that, but I, I don't think that's the case. I'm with
2: Aaron. Yeah, I think we saw yeah, Beth I
4: mean... in the flashbacks and in the present day, and that she was on the grill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Didn't somebody point out also that um, 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 the, uh, Denise Crosby's character is wearing Beth's sweater? or did That, that got funny? debunked pretty quickly. Okay, okay.
1: It was a somewhat similar... Um, somewhat. Similar I mean, similar. everybody
0: else is wearing you know, everyone else's uh, belongings. I thought maybe that might have been a visual cue. I
2: mean, if we want to get to predictions that we get, I think I feel like we can shoot, save that for later. But Yeah, um, I agree. My own thoughts on the yeah, no, I thing, agree. yeah.
1: So they eventually make their way to the end of the maze and back to uh, the the rear section of the compound where they had originally come in, and they get to the fence, and they see that there are a lot more termites than they thought... Uh, You know, or at least they have moved where they were, and there are people waiting on the other side of the fence for them, so they are trapped. Uh, Gareth is up on the roof, and he gives them very clear instructions. He refers to them as the ringleader, the archer, and the samurai, and uh, he forces them to lay down all their weapons, uh, and then go single file, one at a time, over to a train car marked A, where we get our episode title. Um, And Rick goes in first, then Daryl, then Michonne, then Carl. And when they finally get in and the door is shut, out from the shadows emerge Glenn and the rest of our survivors, Minus, Tyrese, Carol, and Beth. Those three are, uh...
3: Judith. And
1: Judith. Judith. Yes, thank you. The most important character of them all. And uh, they, they exchange some pleasantries and, and just uh, introduce uh, the characters that Rick and crew have not met yet, and then we end the episode with Rick looking at everyone and saying they're going to feel really stupid when they find out. Someone, I forget who, asks what are they going to find out, I think it might have been Abraham, and he goes uh, in a really awfully boulderized final line, they don't know who they're screwing with. I have a few comments about this section. And that's the end of the episode and the season. So, Brad, what are your comments about
4: this section? I thought, I liked the way, like, when Rick saw these strange new people. Uh, first off, let me say, what's the girl's name that was, uh, that liked girls that helped, was Tara. helping Glenn? Tara. 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 Did, did Rick know who Tara was? No. No.
0: Had Rick, no. Okay, so Rick. You know, there's that one scene where she goes, oh, these are our friends. I think Maggie yeah. says it, you know.
4: Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. And then Daryl's like, all right, they're friends of ours then. I wait, thought that was wait, a little. Wait,
2: let me back up because there is that scene when um, the the the, the mid season finale where Rick is talking with the governor, and he does look at Tara at one point. He's like, "Is this what you want?" Like he when he's trying to like dissuade the group from you know shooting at the prison. So there's there might be an acknowledgement that Rick made. I think recommend. you're
4: right, Aaron. Yeah. I think you're right because in that I do remember that scene. But in this scene, in this final, when he looks at her, there was a bit almost a bit of a yeah a sense of recognition, and then she...
2: She looks down.
4: She looks down like she was ashamed, like... Yes. He knows that I was on the opposite side, and now here I am. It's kind of the thing so, you're not
2: going to worry about at this point, given the right. situation, but yeah, I, I, yeah that's, I, just, I literally just remember that, yeah. He did. He, cause she, he specifically looked at her, because she was like the youngest person in the group holding guns at the prison, and he's like, is this what you want? Like, he, he pretty, right. pretty much said that right at her. And then
4: I hope we get a little more of Rick being, well... Maybe some time will pass by the you know between seasons, but and I guess they're kind of in a pickle right now. They don't have the luxury. No, of... No, that was a train you know, car. Rick. Okay, <laughs> they don't have, they don't have the luxury for Rick to ask him his three questions. You know these new people. <laughs> yeah. So and Daryl was like, okay, they're friends of ours, and so I, I guess I can kind of look past that. But I really like the transformation Daryl has made.
1: I um, I've got to say I would not be surprised if Rick does recognize her at some point, but if they were trying to communicate that he recognized her there in that low of light, I would be dubious of that. I mean, I get well, what you're saying. I understand how it would technically work, she, but it's so to dark. Me in there. Ob,
4: to me she ob, yeah, but your eyes adjust. Not that you fast
1: know. though.
2: Yeah they do. This is getting into the nitty piggy. There's a camera shot on Terra that recognizes that this is a thing to make make a point of, I think.
4: Yes. Yeah. I agree. My last comment about this section deals with the last line of dialogue. I think this it sucks. is <laughs> yeah. the third example in this episode of what I think a like, scene from the comic is not translating well to the TV show. Uh, that line, that whole bit of dialogue, they're gonna feel pretty stupid. What are they gonna feel stupid about? They're you know, screwing, they're screwing with, with the wrong, wrong people. people. Yeah. In the comic, obviously, they used a harsher word, which they cannot use on uh, um, even basic cable.
3: So they did shoot, huh? They did shoot that, did they? Okay. I was gonna yes. ask you if they did. Uh, I'm not surprised they shot it. If you watch The Talking Dead, they did that line three times, and one of them, one of them, uh. One of them dropped the F-bomb. Okay.
4: Well, in the comic, he drops the F-bomb, and it, it works in the comic because that's, you know, again, it's that's the comic. But it seemed like they just wanted to shoehorn that line in because it was so awesome in the comic. It seemed like they wanted to shoehorn it in to this scene. And I really honestly don't think that Rick would have felt that way right at this moment, especially with meeting these, you know, adding these three new strangers, four new strangers to the group or whatever. I don't think he would have been just ready to to fight back that soon and been I, that confident oh, I about. I his disagree. Situation. I do. I, I, yeah, I, I think. I, I think. I think
2: this episode builds him up to be in that state where he's ready to take on whatever threat comes their way. Whoever's going to threaten their group, threaten his boy. I think all that. I think all that's reflected in what this episode's trying to accomplish for Rick, the character.
4: I can agree with that. I really can, but I don't think he would have said what he said. He might have said something else with as much conviction
2: and as much... uh, I completely agree with that, because I think this line's terrible.
4: Maybe that's what I'm trying to to get across, is that it sounded silly.
2: The issue I take with it is I mean, Breaking Bad's done this. Remember, Jordan? There's that episode IFT. Which oh, there's has several episodes. Yeah, there's where they where they use the F word, and I I mean they dropped it down for broadcast, but yes, yes, exactly. But it's still there, and they still feel the impact of it. And if we're gonna show a scene where Rick guts a guy on TV, I don't think there's much of an issue with not hearing one word, but still hearing the power of that phrase, regardless of oh, it's a naughty word. Like is I? That's how adults talk. I just don't get it. You've got. It's, I, it, it's all about the FCC and their rules.
1: Well, no, the FCC has absolutely no bearing whatsoever. It's cable. The FCC has no hold over content restrictions, period. Oh, okay. it's, it's all advertisers. That's what it is. The Breaking Bad, and this is me supp- supposing this particular part, Breaking Bad had a much smaller audience until the very end, so... D- they could come to deals with advertisers, what content can we show, what content can we not show. Walking Dead is way bigger. They've got way bigger advertisers, way more advertisers, and they don't want to tick them off because it's a lot of money. So I would not be surprised if the DVD version or the Blu-ray version has the regular uh, normal yeah. line, but it was certainly jarring. I, I would have much. I would have preferred even the drop sound version
3: like you would see on... That's no, what I'm, that I'm saying, yeah. that's. That. that's I, I'm ex- yeah, surprised I, I did I, see a drop sound version. Like... I- <laughs> I think the drop sound just is ridiculous. I agree, but it's better
1: it. than Screwed. It's like when adults say uh, poopy or something like that. It just makes me I, want to I, punch them.
3: Well, why can't they I do
1: disagree.
4: What, what they have started to do on sitcoms now? Because it's funny. You get a, a bleep and you get a mosaic face or a mosaic <laughs> well, mouth. Because like, this is not a sitcom? Like on the Goldbergs the other night, which is a great sitcom, by the way. It's all about the 80s. Um, the something was Some shenanigans are going on, and the grandfather says, what the – and then it bleeps and it bleep it mosaics his mouth. I almost would prefer that
2: oh, in than the, to something as silly that's as going to shoot
5: the whole mood.
2: In the yeah, in the in the Benny Hill version of this scene, yeah, sure, <laughs> that works amazing. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I mean, there's nothing else I can do about this besides complain about it. But I think it's a terrible line. And again, let me ask you in, this: in the same show where we're getting a guy getting you know gutted and a, you know a near raping of a child, I don't really see the problem with dropping a word in the. Sound, let me ask you but... this:
4: would would have been better for you aaron if if he had said they're messing with the wrong people
2: i think so because it doesn't feel like you're censoring a word for the sake of another okay. word it
1: would also work better for me yeah yeah i agree
3: with that i totally
0: agree that's exactly what i was going to ask whether you guys would have preferred a bleeped out or a dropped sound dropped f-bomb or a um you know just another choice of word
1: or just they don't realize who we are because that's was the whole you know point of the episode earlier the whole theme of this particular you know forty two minutes of television.
3: Yeah, Wait I get fully a expect on the Blu Ray, we're gonna <laughs> get we're gonna get the the full the full Monty as it were on on the Blu Ray. I th- I think full front. I think rig. this was just yeah <laughs> I, I think
0: this was just an appeasement I do not for, see that Python of his. for TV. <laughs> yeah. No, I can do it. I
2: I, that. I hope so, Russ. Yeah, I. I but yeah, I mean, it's the same. Like, god dang. Like, it's just these words are using in place of other words. It's like, oh my god. Like, there's, there. It, it's not like there. It was. It's not like it was lost to them at the time. I don't understand. I don't know how you look at that final edit and think, hmm, yeah, good one. Let's 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 go with
1: that take. It's it's zeros on a check from advertisers. That's how you think of it. Is it a dumb decision? Yes, but I do understand why they made it. Unfortunately.
2: I would not expect Carl to die in this episode, but at the same time, that whole scene, it's so tense that I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised if the sniper like ended up taking out Carl as they were marching into the train. Like, I, I thought, thought the it was same thing. It looked like it was so close to that being the, the way that situation would play out, which, again, is a credit to Bram McCreary's score. I think it's tremendous in this in the way it raises the yeah. tension and lowers it. In all what it's doing, in this whole sequence of just guns trained on
1: you and you don't know what's gonna happen next.
0: Now do you think that's why they had the whole hubbub with him not being on the Talking Dead? They were afraid they would like tip their hand as to their you know, them That's
1: pretty much that what they said on this week's Talking Dead was they announced that he'll be on next season and that they couldn't say it until the episode had aired for, for that exact reason. Who are you guys talking about? Chandler Riggs. Oh, okay. He's going to be on there because uh, this was last or this week. This week was the first time that Andrew Lincoln's ever been on the show, and he was fantastic, by the way. Um, and and they announced that Chandler will be on next season. Okay, I was certain that we were going to get a major character death. Um, I
4: wasn't. I I was, and and I guess I'll I'll reserve the rest of that comment um, until we get to our ratings.
1: Well, speaking of those ratings,
3: Brad. Before we get to them, Russ, who's our sponsor this week? Our sponsor for this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com. Uh, as you listen to this, it is in the first few days of April. The new uh, solicits haven't quite come out yet on the website, uh, but they do take late orders. Don't be afraid. If you want to get your order in to send it in late, they are gladly accept that. Um, you could save tons of money on your comics at Discount Comic Book Service, uh, anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five, fifty, and sometimes with new number ones, even seventy-five percent off of s- individual issues. Um, all new Marvel and DC hardcovers and trade paperbacks are always fifty percent off at Discount Comic Book Service, and you can get a ton of Walking Dead related merchandise, whether it be they always have T-shirts or mugs. Or uh, you know just just tons of cool Walking Dead related stuff as well as the regular monthly uh, edition of the comics. Uh So please check them out, discountcomicbookservice.com. Also, you can link your Comicsology account to Discount Comic Book Service and earn five percent back towards your future purchases. So if you've been saving up for that really cool hardcover or uh you know cool piece of memorabilia that you might that might be a little pricey and you like the digital side of things. Uh, you know, order up on your, on the, your digital link, it up to D- Discount Comic Book Services Comicsology portal and use that to save even more money when you're ready to, to buy that special something that you've been waiting, uh, to buy. And then also check out their sister site, instocktrades.com. Uh, so once again, Discount Comic Book Service, we, appreciate their support of the walking dead tv podcast
1: and hey you're gonna have a lot of time <laughs> in the next few months perfect opportunity yeah. to catch up on the walking dead and lots of other great comics that are out there wait it's over <laughs> well till october oh okay <laughs> so let's go in alphabetical order so that will be aaron ashley brad jim russ uh what are your busters this um episode?
2: i i in- I go for a strict policy of ladies first, so I'd say Ashley should give the first rating.
1: Fair enough. Ashley, on a scale of one to five busters, five being the highest, one being the lowest, how would you rate this episode?
5: Wait, what's the Buster again? You explain this to me, Dad. Buster
1: was the name of the what I the, is what I named
4: the zombie that was sitting on the bus the, in the pilot episode as Rick was walk as uh, riding through downtown, right on his horse.
3: i had forgotten that. I that's why it was
1: Buster.
4: Yeah, because he was on the bus, and so I said, I, think I didn't we put should that call connection it, at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly where that came from. Um, I always
0: thought it was because they the look bus. like Buster Poindexter. <laughs> yeah, no,
4: he was on the bus, and I said, I think we should call ref, refer to this. Uh, zombie as
1: Buster, and that's where that came from, because he was on the bus. So now aside. that you have the etymology, Ashley, how many Busters would you give the episode?
5: Like three and a third Busters. Not three and a half.
4: Not three and a half? No. What is it that, that dropped it down that much for you? Have you... Let me ask you this really quick. In the four years that you've been watching it, have you seen any five Buster episodes? Or something that was extremely close well, to a normally, five Buster episode?
5: Normally when I watch this show, I can literally feel my anxiety skyrocketing and i didn't win this episode at all okay i was not on the edge of my seat okay wow
1: so three and three and a
5: three and a head of a zombie
1: of a buster 3.3 three ambience out of five ambience anxiety right ambience helps you sleep no, it's for sleeping. oh yeah. well for me that would do the same thing then anyway
4: Aaron.
2: Yeah, um, I would go with a solid four busters. I think issues I have with Rick's arc aside, um, I I still think the, the acting from everybody in this episode is tremendous. I think the the tension was there for me. I think everything involving the kind of climax with Joe and then the climax of this episode in general, I think it all worked out. And even with the clunker of a line at the end of the episode, I'm still excited to see where things go from here just because we're kind of... Reset now. We're kind of clear on where we need to go in terms of, hey, the characters are established. Now let's get them out of this terminus situation. So, four busters.
4: Mine involves a mathematical equation of sorts. Present day storyline minus flashbacks minus overall disappointment uh, regarding my expectations brings me to two and a half busters. Uh, on the Facebook, I uh, said three and a half busters, but after watching it a second time, I have to give it two and a half. The present day, um, Would have gotten a five, except we didn't get confirmation about what Terminus is. We only got hints. I think we're all pretty smart and we can figure it out, but I expect a season finale to knock me on my butt. I expect a season finale to make me go, oh my gosh, I got to wait six months. This is not happening in this instance. Uh, We think we know it might be Cannibals because we saw a pile of bones, but we don't know. I expected to be hit in the face with a revelation I honestly expected Maggie Green to die that would have shocked me I would have hated it and that's what this show does best it shocks me and it makes me hate the fact that I lost somebody I liked I didn't get that either so five minus a whole buster for the disappointment is four minus the flashbacks of a one and my crooked math gives me uh, two and a half busters on the end
2: (laughs) Thanks, Professor. <laughs>
0: Jeez, we're going to put a PowerPoint presentation on the website so people can there follow will be, that there explanation will be was longer quiz. than the flashbacks. <laughs> there, will be a pop,
4: there will be a pop quiz following the blooper section of the episode.
0: Solve for x. <laughs> Uh, I give this four out of five busters. Um, it, it, the only th- my I, I had to deduct some for that last line that we were just talking about because it really lost its impact when they, they PG fight it as it were. It almost reminded me of when the Sopranos were on A <laughs> yeah. and E and everything freaking and friggin' and you pasta maker, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> you pasta maker, you know it just it was just terrible. It uh, is it kind of what reminded me. of it kind of took the bite out of what should have been a really. You know, badass line. It also seemed to me like this would have been better served as the episode before, the episode uh, or the uh, season ender. I mean, this is the end of the fourth season, and there was more going on in the half-season break, uh, you know, ender than there is in this you know, finale for the whole season. I agree with something with something that Brad said too. I mean, they really didn't show us how you know how you know, what kind of thing is going on at terminus, so we really don't have any reason to hate them, you know, at first. Until you know he sees the stolen possessions, and I, I don't know. It just um it, it seemed like there was just not enough of an impact for a season finale. So I give it a four out of five. It was a solid episode, but um you know room for improvement.
3: I give it a solid five out of five. To me, the tension was unbelievable. The juxtaposition with the flashbacks to the present day I thought really added to Rick's characterization. The one thing I'll say also that had me biting my fingernails, sitting at the edge of my seat is. And part of this is an experience you can only take on the first viewing. Part of it is just the way my brain was just kind of trying to outsmart itself. But knowing that Andrew Lincoln was going to be on The Talking Dead, knowing how much emphasis they put on Rick in this episode, you know, showing him on the journey of who he was in the flashback and then, you know, what was going on in the present, the fact that, you know, he he kind of loosened up to, to, um, to Daryl, I fully expected Rick to to bite it in this episode, and not knowing if that was going to happen or not happen really just kind of, in my own mind, amped up the tension for me. Um, but, uh, again, I, I like where Rick is at the end of this episode. To me, I didn't feel let down by this as a season finale. I mean, you have all of your almost all of your heroes trapped in a train car surrounded by guns and instead of just being like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Rick is like, no, we have the advantage. They have the disadvantage. Um, and then cut there. I thought I thought was was genius. I, I To me, it felt like a true cliffhanger season finale, more so than we've gotten in the past. I mean, end of season one, it wasn't really a cliffhanger. End of season two, we kind of got the dictatorship thing. Um, end of season three, it it kind of sort of had its its resolution. So I was just I you know, again I, I I I can see where you com- where you guys are coming from like the the end of the half season. You know what was a cliffhanger. You know with everything in disarray, but I, I just I just like where this episode took took us. Um I'm okay with not knowing everything there is to know about terminus at this point. I think I think that's great to give us something to speculate about. I think it's, it's interesting to kind of go back and watch this episode again and, and pick things apart. I think it gives the writing staff time to make sure they get it right and don't feel like they kind of have to, you know, rush into it, maybe kind of gauge audience reactions, see, you know, what people felt worked and what didn't and, and, you know, be able to tweak it. So I, I, to me, this was just a perfect episode for me. I mean, there've been a lot of good episodes this, this half season. I think in in the eight before the break i think there were a few that were clunkers particularly the governor episodes but to me this 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 thing just fired on all cylinders and i couldn't be happier just real quick i didn't mention my
2: thoughts on it as the season finale but i agree with what russ had to say from a from a conceptual level i agree that it being a rick focused episode i liked how it ended the season with the way it did and where we're left at
1: I'm also, with Russ on this one, I will give it five busters. I'm tempted to, like, take off a point zero five or something for my minor, quib- minor quibbles, but just the feeling of the episode in general, I'm kind of, I think, the anti-Ashley on this one in that my anxiety was, you know, riding a very high line for the vast majority of this episode. And to also go anti-Brad a little bit, and, and echo what Russ said... You know, Brad. I think it was you saying. You know, this isn't an episode that, as a season finale, that makes you, you know, fist pump or I've got to see what happens next. I think this is the first season finale of the show that makes me go, Oh my gosh! I've got to see what happens next. Maybe with season two being kind of a, a somewhat distant second with the, you know, the dictatorship that kind of thing. I like that there's no finality to it. I like that it's your heroes are in a terrible situation, but they're ready to fight back and you don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot to discuss and theorize about in the off season. Whereas a lot of those other season finales, it was just we beat the bad guy and a few people died. But. You know, pretty much next. What's next season going to be? And not only is it just next. What's next season going to be? How long are we going to be in the prison? How long are we going to be? You know, whatever this episode, this season finale. I don't know what the next half season's going to be. And they talked about that in Talking Dead a little bit. How the show's going to kind of reinvent itself to a certain extent, and how it's they've tried to do that in the past as well. But I really don't know what's coming next. I can theorize from stuff in the comics, I can guess at, you know, which character's more popular, so there's less chance that they're going to die, but there's just a, you know, a wealth of possibilities of what could come in the next half season, and to me, that really excites me. Like I said, I did have those few minor quibbles, but the feeling the episode gave me in general uh, really does bring us up to a five. But, Jim, what did our listeners on Facebook have to say about this episode? How many busters did they give it on the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group, which you should all join now if you haven't already checked it out?
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of discussion and cool things. We have the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group for uh, mostly non-spoiler stuff, and then we have the Stuff and Thangs offshoot. Thank she- you. Yeah, you know, I just said it the right way that time. You,
1: you get a gold star, Jim.
0: That uh Leslie and Mike set up a, uh, that is uh totally spoilerific. So if you enjoy the uh you know the show but uh, don't mind the spoilers, you can check out both. And uh but a lot of good uh discussion, a lot of news, a lot of um you know, theories, all kinds of stuff there on the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group you definitely want to join in. Uh, we have a lot of comments this time. Uh, everybody, of course, watched the season finale, uh, Gary Anderson, 4.5 out of five spurting jugulars, very tense, awesome episode, kind of expecting a bit more than they just effed with the wrong bull line to finish things off. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, Gary. Uh, Bernard Arnold, 4.5 badass ricks, a uh, great episode with a balance of thrills, action and character moments. Uh, Leslie Johnson, I got to go with a full five out of five here. Uh, the scene with the claimed gang was amazing. It was so good in the comic, but seeing it in the flesh was so much more amazing. Um, Terry Bernard, 4.6 Busters. Uh, Kudos to them on a great season. Uh, Everard, Santa Maria, I'll give it a 4.5. You brought Herschel back to give the farming backstory? Out of 5. Components are about 10 Busters for the claim gang resolution, and a little mesh, 3, 3. 3.5 for the rest of it. So he's kind of bipolar like Brad was. Brent Jones, loved it, 4.5 You're My Brother, out of 5. Uh, when Joe showed up, actually got butterflies. Uh, five Walker impersonations out of five for Robert Nigro for all the claimers. Story ended, but three shrine candles for five for all else. Susan Monk, 4.75 out of five. Termite mazes. I do like that termite. Uh, um, uh, no um, no more, I, I like that a lot. Uh, Pamela Burton, I give it a five. I really liked it. Um, but I wonder what exactly happened to Beth. I think we all do. Uh, Mike Jones, four, Sloppy Joes out of five. Shouldn't those be Sloppy Beths, Mike? Uh, Andrew Lincoln knocked it out of the park, but no major deaths. Uh, Felt like an episode of Lost at times, so I wouldn't know. Uh, Somebody named Brad Milo wrote in and says, What a letdown. I feel cheated. We expected a revelation about Terminus. We only got clues. Boy, I don't know who this Brad is, but... uh, 3.5, Grilled Buttocks. (laughs) Is that his middle name? Yes. Uh, Jimmy Tucker, 4.75 Cannibal Train Cars out of 5. I thought this was a great episode and the ending was good considering we were all expecting the worst. Um, Mike Jones also says, I think a Carol and Tyrese to the rescue will be next season. That'll be interesting. Uh, 5 out of 5 snipers on the Wall from Sarah Ann Howard. 5 out of 5 Rick Hickey's from uh, Vincent DeCasse. Uh We have 4 out of 5 Small Rabbits from Max Sofer. Great episode. I love the end dialogue. But the episode loses a full point for hype. Hmm uh Hazem Mac, 4.5 flashbacks took away 10 minutes of valuable time out of 5 uh 4.5 Southern Green as people terrified screams out of 5 for David P the third. uh Leo uh Leo Kavala 3 point or uh, 4.5 out of 5 piles of human ribs and spines uh yes we love those uh 3 out of 5 obviously missing on purpose snipers uh the episode was okay but the ending didn't seem like a season finale to me i, I agree with that Four out of five is a standalone episode, but as a finale, I'd give it a generous three. Shane Jenkins, Philip Hurd, 3.5 T-Dogs. That's the Rick I'm talking about. Uh, Roger Roger Austin, 3.5 Slabs of Grilled Mystery Meat. Uh, Trisha Terrell-Collins, four Herschel Sage Advices out of five. Uh, 4.5 from Elisa Gonzalez. I really love the parallel storytelling. Um... Mike Jones Bob was kind of to post that picture of all the bones on the uh, the uh, the tarp as well, so that that was good. Four point five grilled Judith ribs. Ah, oh, brandy lobster. Yeah. No, let's not go there. Um, four. I want my k- baby back,
4: baby back, baby back, baby <laughs> back. Baby back baby oh, back, come on, bridge. jump in my belly.
0: Mm. Chili's. Four roadkill zombies out of five for of the Joppy. Four possibly raped Carl's out of five for Linda Clark Ake. Uh, 2.5 pile of bones out of 5 from uh, Chub Toad. Uh, this was such a disappointment. While well, there's some good moments in the episode, it was not worthy of a season finale. Uh, Adam Fatagas is 3.5 flashbacks out of 5. Uh, McMuse just to be different because us an A, a solid B+. plus. Uh, so, um, using your own grading system, I guess that would be like a 4 or 3.5 out of Busters. Uh, 4 out of 5 puppet bunnies from Ian Timms. That was one of the best season endings of Lost I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, we we are kind of all over the board with this. I mean, there are just people who just thought it was knocked out of the park, and uh, some people didn't think as much. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington, and I love saying that name. Uh, well, just finishing the UK, and I've got to give that or 4, 4.75 plates of barbecued meat out of five. I do love good barbecue. Carl Hooker, 4.75 medium-well steaks out of five. Uh, 4.5 Busters from Don Heffer an intense episode all the way through. Uh, five Busters, so glad. Daryl Liv from Shal and Betsy Vega, who drew those great pictures of the, the entire uh, Walking Dead uh, podcast crew. We still appreciate those. And like I said, if you want to join our group on Facebook, a lot of good discussion, a lot of cool pictures. Uh, news, um, all kinds of great things. We have a lot of cool fans in our group. It's the Walking Dead TV podcast group on Facebook.
1: So that's what our listeners thought of the episode. Russ,
3: what did the Nielsen's think of this episode? They're pretty much blown away. Again, this set a, a season finale record, not a not a series record for The Walking Dead. Uh, that went to the season four opener, but this is the highest rating finale. Uh so again, this show just continues to grow baffle everyone like the comic does and rise in the ratings in general instead of fall over time uh so this app- episode averaged fifteen point seven million total viewers and it was up twenty seven percent from the last episode of of season three so that's a that's a huge boost from you know season over season. It pulled ten point two million viewers in the eighteen to forty nine which is that key demographic which is just phenomenal um it it's pretty crazy how how many viewers the show attracts and the talking dead What i th- i thought this was funny too the talking dead did really well and i think a lot of that just had to do with andrew lincoln i think that show in general um you know people just just enjoy uh hardwick style and and the guests that he has on sometimes i think sometimes when he just has a couple random comedians on to me sometimes personally sometimes it's marilyn manson yeah yeah and then you have that um oh interesting but the talking dead <laughs> yeah. The Talking Dead drew 7.3 million viewers with a 3.7 rating in the adults 18 to 49, which, again, a 3.7 for basically a show that talks about another show is, money. is pretty crazy. I mean, there's 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 a ton of, you know, high quality network TV uh, television shows that don't get anywhere near a 3.7. So um, this thing's just a juggernaut. I mean, it's it's and it's. It, fourth season and it doesn't it's not slowing down at all it's it's picking up so unless this just has a kind of weird uh fall off or strange phenomenon i mean it i don't see this show slowing down anytime soon especially when you end on a cliffhanger such as this
1: yeah, yeah. So two bits of news before we close out the show and go into some speculation for next season. Uh, the first would be the cast updates, and uh, Aaron, I think you have that information in front of you. So who is getting bumped up to a season regular or a series regular, and who is being bumped up to a also starring?
2: Um, I'm not, I'm not sure about the the, the the differences between the two in terms of money. What's <laughs> been well, no, in terms of what's what's official, what's Truly official, but I have uh, Malana Masterson who plays Terra. She's she uh, along with Chris, uh, Christian Seratos uh, who plays Rosita and the uh, Gareth uh, Andrew J West who plays Gareth. All of them have been promoted to series regulars as opposed to just guest starring roles. So they'll we're going to see a lot more of them next season. We're not sure about Abraham and Eugene as of yet, but I doubt they've that been
1: bumped of up of to also starrings, I believe as ah, opposed to just guest that
2: stars. Makes- that makes more sense. Well, I'll, I'll be curious what the opening credits look like since I'm never quite sure until I actually see it. So.
1: <laughs> and uh, you also have some news, Aaron, about the special edition of the Blu-ray for Season 4. Uh, I haven't actually seen what it looks like, so can you describe it for our listeners?
2: Yes, I can. Um, as with every season of The Walking Dead, we're getting kind of a spe- Like along with the regular Blu-ray edition, you get the limited edition set um, that has some kind of key design that you saw within the season. So, of course, and we have the... Uh, the the governor's heads for three season three this season we have the tree walker if you recall there's that walker that was kind of overgrown with the tree around him that's going to serve as kind of the the holder for the season four limited edition blu-ray and uh, that's it looks uh looks pretty cool again not not practical for people that like to have organized blu-ray shelves but for people that want to have collectible little items from the walking dead that's the way to go (laughs)
1: And I'm sure we'll get lots more information on the special features, how many guests, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there
2: there are no features announced as of yet, but yeah, it'll be a in due time.
1: So let's head into the outro for the episode. Then of course stick around if you'd like after that and we'll just talk about some speculation we have for next season and some theories we might have. You can leave us a voicemail. Tell us what did you think about the season finale. We'd love to know in greater detail than just a funny buster rating. You can call us at nine seven two seven nine eight thirty eight thirty that's nine seven two seven nine eight three eight three zero and let us know you're calling for the Walking Dead TV podcast and tell us about your thoughts for the finale, or you can send us a text email or an MP3 to comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows, like Half Hour Wasted with Brad and occasionally his daughter, uh, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Jersey Shore, The Icopod Crane Cash, Shaken Not Stirred, and a whole bunch of other great stuff. And hey, do us a favor, while you're checking them out, because there's so much great content, we would really appreciate an iTunes review, uh, a five-star iTunes rating, or whatever you think is appropriate. Those things go to great lengths to help getting the word out about the show and to getting us even more listeners that we can have lots of fun communication with. So we'd really appreciate that, particularly in the off-season. You can follow us on Twitter, at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead, walk the earth, remember muffs, Ashley, they don't know who they're fucking with. Have
2: Boom. a great week, everybody. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm sure Ashley's never heard that word
1: ever. <laughs> I assume you'll bleep that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, that was more for Brad's benefit than Ashley's. So this is not going to be spoilers, because obviously we don't know where this is going. This is a, a, in many ways a departure from the comic, although it may be hinting to some things from the comic as well. There's speculation that these are cannibals, but we don't really know 100% for sure. And Kirk- Kirkman has come out and said uh, that a lot of people may be way off in what they're expecting, uh, particularly with uh, a lot of stuff about Beth. So what do we think? You know, Carol, Tyrese, Judith—they're missing. Beth is missing. Uh, we've got the mysterious uh, car with the cross in the window that kidnapped her from the funeral home. Uh, we and we've got the rest of our cast trapped in a train car. What happens next?
2: As far as Beth goes, I think that's a whole other thing. I think we got we we got that that whole uh, funeral home church thing, and there's a car with a cross-driving off with Beth, I think that's a, it's a whole other thing that's going to be dealt with at some point in the show. I don't think that has to do with anything with Terminus at all.
1: And I think I mostly agree with you. I, I would have totally bought it that they were, but where it ended now, I really don't think it was. I think they would have very clearly established that it was her on the grill, if it was her on the grill. To do it next season, in retrospect, would just seem silly.
2: Well, it's more, and it's like, I mean, terminus is essentially a spider web. Like, they're not going out to get things; they're waiting for things to come to them. I don't see like cars randomly point. driving around to like find like other people that aren't following these explicit signs and radio signals. Like, it's whatever.
1: What do we think about the weird death cultish candle room?
3: You got me. <laughs> I thought that. I mean, the only thing I can think of with that is just something happened that caused a bunch of people that were in this group to die because it's like never again and stuff like that or i don't know if maybe they had to eat their own to survive and so you know that was the whole never again that they're going to rely on people coming from the outside uh to to survive a donor party
1: type situation
3: yeah just yeah hard hard to say i i mean i i'm kind of on the bandwagon that they're cannibals and i could be way off base but that's just that's just what i think but uh, you know, I don't know. The, the one thing I will say is, and this would be good for a flashback thing, the whole time that we saw Rick, or we saw Michonne and Carl, we didn't see what Rick and Daryl were doing. Like, they were kind of off, and I'm wondering if maybe it's possible that they they came across Tyrese and Carol and told them to hang back, and then they, you know, buried the, buried the gun, you know, told them, you know, we're going to bury the guns, and maybe... That's kind of a rabbit that Rick may pull out of his hat to try and get them to think that this, you know, that the Terminus group is maybe outgunned, even though they don't know they're not outgunned. I, I don't I don't know. It just it just seemed odd that Tyrese and Carol didn't show up in this episode at all. Although I I, I, I kind of had a conversation with somebody about this yesterday that um, they kind of it, it made it seem like when they were stuck at the house that they were there for several days and, you know, so that that they may be a couple days behind. Um, which kind of blows my, my theory on them talking to, to Rick and Daryl, but something tells me there's something else going on that we just don't know about. My only thought on um,
2: Carol and Tyrese as far as that goes is I feel like this episode was, it's a Rick Journey episode, and stuff, adding Car- Car- Carol and Tyrese to it just feels like it'd be an overstuffed episode with characters, and well, especially ones that we're not explicitly focused True. on, and yeah with that previous episode that they were involved in that was the, really the end of their arc for this season there's really no reason to introduce them beyond just saying hey they're also coming but we already know that they're on their way so it's assuming that there's you know that that that's not the case of of them like secretly being involved with rick or whatever i, I feel like there was no necessary need to include them here because we finished up the story that they were telling for those characters this season already so it's like all we need to know is that they're on their way, which is what was established at the end of that episode.
1: And we certainly didn't see any of their belongings among the camp, or at least not explicitly uh, noted on screen, to make us think that they had gotten there first. No, like that. no one was
2: wearing Tyrese's beanie, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: or a baby Bjorn. How creepy would that be they the, if they had Jesus. Just a baby <laughs> Bjorn, no baby in it. Use yeah. it for holding barbecue. Any other theories, speculation? It's an open book. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll have the whole off-season to discuss this. Like we already said, we'd love to get emails and voicemails and Facebook messages from everybody um, to, you know, what do you think is going on here? And we'd love to discuss that in a future episode, and uh, we will certainly have time to do so. So, luckily, there's a lot of stuff to unpack, because uh, we'll have the opportunity to do it.
2: And get some commentaries done, too.
1: Ooh, yes. Yeah, let us know, ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this section, what episodes from the season would you like to see commentaries for? Which were your favorite ones? I know there's a lot of, uh, to use the word of the night, bipolarity, uh, or bipolarity, I guess, of you know what people liked and didn't like. So which episodes would you want to see commentaries for, and which ones would you absolutely not want to see commentaries for? Let us know. But I think with that said, that's, that's it for this episode and for this season of The Walking Dead, and uh, we'll be back soon with even more discussion but it probably won't be next Monday. So, have a great week, everybody.
0: So long. Remember, it's ringleader, archer, samurai, in that order.
1: <laughs> I almost did that as my uh, remember thing. but uh... a, It's a good D&D combo. <laughs> yes, it is. So so is Carl the cleric? Or? He's a troll. He's the dwarf. Yeah, one of those. Point Brad. Da, 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 da. Oh, you beat me to it.
0: Yes, I did. you yeah, ever be like the countdown clock on every bomb in every tense thriller movie? You know, it counts down 30 seconds. It takes like a half hour to count it down. Yeah. That's the we magic just, of we editing. We should just do the
1: 24 that sound clip good. of beep.
0: i got to save beep, that for a 24 podcast I'm going to do. Oh. You're
4: going to have to talk a little louder in that. Is
5: mic. this loud enough?
4: do be a smart no. Hey,
2: Whoa. Is Hold your harder? horses. Yeah. If you have horses. Okay
5: my grandma has horses
2: Jordan yes sir I wrote down two things that we should mention just like oh these are news items uh, one is the Walking Dead Blu-ray uh, with the tree walker and the other is the series the tree walker yeah, the bl- I don't the know bl- the, Blu- the Blu-ray case is the tree walker for season four is Blu-ray the one that
4: where the tree grew around the walker
2: yeah that one. Oh, okay Got which you. is That's
4: extremely unplausible by the way
2: yeah right and the other, it's a growing The other tree. thing I wrote is the three new cast members from, or three cast members promoted to like series regulars.
1: And that's uh, Eugene, uh, it's you, mustache and it, it's, hot it's hands. not, it's not Abraham, Abraham
2: actually. It's uh, it was um, oh it, it was, was
1: it? Al- Oh, it was Gareth. Yeah, right? It was
2: Gareth. Um, what's her name? Rosita of all people, and, and yeah, um, a- Yeah, and Tara.
1: All right, this episode is titled A. Aside from my theory from last week, does anybody have any idea why it was titled A?
2: All the the uh, the the, no, the container they were put in was a. Uh, oh yeah, the box. The box. Oh, you know, I didn't even a. notice really? that. Okay, yeah, it was like, and there's like signs like with arrows pointing to the different one. There's like a B box and a C box. There's a yeah, they're in the A box.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Granted, That's I watched cool.
2: it like three
0: times. I watched it twice. Well, I watched
1: it twice, but I still missed that part.
0: We age our prisoners to perfection here at Terminus Farms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we get that rice delicious cure that our customers demand in their barbecue. <laughs>
1: Can you maybe split the two personalities into Brad and Chad? Because that would make me extremely happy.
4: No, Chad Brilo is <laughs> contractually obligated to appear only on Half Hour
3: Wasted. Oh, that is that is a uh, really, shame.
4: Really sorry for that.
3: <laughs> what about you, Grant? Have, Can we have you, Grant? How could they afford we it, we all of, initiated Aren't we Brad? That was a bad Bane impression, sorry. Really bad. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's I love no. those scenes
1: between Bane and Harvey, Bo- Harvey Dent in uh, Dark Knight. Those are great scene. This episode's off to a great start. Oh, so much of this <laughs> is getting tough. <laughs> Batman <laughs> Bloopers. Any more 80s references before I continue?
2: That was the 90s, mate. <laughs> was it? Yeah. It's uh, early 90s. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I've learned something today, so Get with it, Jersey boy. Yes. The <laughs> Proclaimers. I really need to beef up on my Proclaimers knowledge. <laughs>
3: and take a bite out of crime.